as I prayed, I went into a vision. And in that vision, I saw money being poured into my hands. And the moment that I saw the money being poured in my hands, I knew it had already been established in heaven. It was a question of it being now released on earth. This is Supernatural Business in Times of Crisis, the podcast. I'm Andrew Montesi, and I created this show to help empower and equip you to take on the impossible in business. This isn't your average business podcast. In the midst of a global crisis, I interview powerful leaders who will take you deeper, revealing how to operate in business from your position of power in God's kingdom, in faith instead of fear, helping you advance in adversity. There's supernatural breakthrough available for your business and your life today. Hey, Andrew here, and I've got another great interview today that will take you much deeper in your journey in business and with God. I sit down with Paul Tottle, who has been an important mentor and friend to me over the last few years. Paul is one of the most uniquely gifted people I've met, carrying both intellectual and spiritual revelation in equal measure. Paul is the senior leader at Gateway Church in South Australia, a spirit-filled church that he and his wife Tracy have overseen for the last 12 years. He also continues to practice as a barrister and holds a number of qualifications, including a Bachelor of Arts with Honours majoring in politics and a Bachelor of Legal Studies with Honours. Paul was formerly a police officer and a police prosecutor and has also founded and run his own businesses. He travels extensively around the world, teaching and advising leaders in South Africa, the UK and Ireland, Russia, Dubai and beyond. Paul brings tremendous insight into living an empowered life, life in the spirit, the wisdom of scripture, leadership, business ethics and the kingdom of heaven. In this interview, we talk about these things as well as adversity and opportunity, trading flaws, Paul's own personal stories of overcoming and many more insights that will help you advance through crisis. You can connect with Paul at paultottle.com. But for now, enjoy the interview. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Good to be here. I'm very excited about this chat. Uh, We've had many of these types of conversations over the last couple of years, but without mics in front of us. Exactly. um, This is going to be a a rare opportunity for some listeners out there. (laughs) But Paul, mate, I wanted to kick off... um, and start. Are you able to just uh, give us some context? What does your world look like right now in the midst of everything that's happening? Uh, one word sums it up, exciting. Um, I think I work across many disciplines and so each discipline has been affected in one way or another by the government restrictions um, and the pandemic of fear and the reality of a virus, the COVID-19. But in each of those contexts, those restrictions are creating new ways of doing things, new opportunities, new way of assessing old things, and really what we are drifting into compelling us into. So for me, it's exciting. So what unique perspectives do you have in a time like this as a guy who is a practicing lawyer, pastor, academic, background in business, um, yeah, what what kind of perspectives does that bring to this? Well, I think um, a multidiscipline or multi-skilled um, approach to life is very, very helpful. I'm a I'm a believer that we continue to be a life learner. I'm not a closed learner, and that's from Carol Dweck and that famous idea where if you're a closed thinker, fear will shut you down. 
um, adversity will shut you down. Um, where those things, where you're an open learner, you you relish it. You you become very creative. And so, across many disciplines, uh, I've wanted to learn. I've wanted to grow within that discipline to get understanding within that discipline, understand the culture of that discipline, understand the language of that discipline. Because in each part of the world in which you move, you have to be able to connect to that reality and engage people. And it's not about concepts, it's first and foremost about people. So when you're practicing law, not only do you need to be good at your craft and and have a skill base and have understanding there, but you need to be personable, you need to be able to connect and build trust with people. And in many ways, that truth crosses across many, many disciplines. And so when you're pastoring a community, when you're teaching and and you're speaking and you're communicating... You want to be personable. People have to be able to see your life to be able to hear your words. And uh, in a courtroom, it looks different, but the same principles play out. In a business world, it looks different, but the same principles play out. So what I've learned through that multi-skilled, multifaceted approach to life is that there are some things that are clearly consistent across the board and other things are nuances within that sphere. Yeah, it's really well put. I mean, to, to, I guess, build on that, you're talking about about people. What are you sensing, hearing, feeling out there coming from people um, across these various sectors that you're exposed to? Well, it, it, it's really mixed, um, and that is the unique nature of what I said earlier about how we, how we think, the, the way we're programmed to think and whether we're a life learner or what's called a, a closed learner, open learner, closed learner model. If you're a closed learner, then what, what's going to happen is your world is being shaken and there's uncertainty. And fear and uncertainty work together to blind you to the present opportunity. If, on the other hand, people are talking to me and they're quite excited, like I am, and they're energised in this hour because they see things are changing and they've been sensing the change in any event because they've been always open to change. And I guess that's where the rubber hits the road. If you're open to change, if you're flexible, and if you want to be good at business, if you're a visionary, you have to learn how to be flexible. You have to learn how to adapt. You have to learn how to apply because your idea doesn't change, but the way you execute the idea or the timing of the idea become the variables in the context of what you're doing. So what I'm hearing around me is conspiracy theories, all kinds of conspiracy theories, and they're very, very interesting. They may be true. They may not be true. Uh, you've got fear, uncertainty. People are wobbling. Uh, and then at the same time, you've got people drilling down, getting excited, getting energized, and saying, yeah, change is my friend, not my enemy. So on that, I just want to pick up on the open learner, closed learner aspect. You know, if I'm a business person i'm listening to this podcast and going i hear what you're saying paul but and, and yeah i am a closed learner how do i transition out of that uh, is it just who i am or can i actually come out of that and become a, an open learner well part of <laughs> i read very very widely but even the bible will say we get transformed by the renewing of our mind and so the renewing of your mind now is very much a part of the epigenetic world. It's part of neuroscience. There's um, neuroplasticity. And what we've now come to, quantum science tells us, that we are not stuck with a present mindset. And we are actually formed in our mindsets from the third trimester of our mother's womb up to about the age of six, approaching seven. And 
in uh, those years from when we're born to the age of six, we really are in a high-level learning mode. And we are moving by what's called theta brainwaves. It's not as high as our consciousness. And that is where we're starting to lay the programming, if you will, or the neuropathways of what then shapes the rest of our life. And Dr. Bruce Lipton will talk about 95% of our decisions we make every day are from the subconscious mind. And so what that means is this, that I can consciously want to change. But until I deal with my the, the subconscious reality of the pattern of my thinking, I can want to change, but I then keep hitting the wall. And here's the reality that I've learned. You've got to create a discipline of renewing your mind. It's not sporadic. It's not casual. You have to be intentional. And not only do you have to be intentional, you have to be consistent. And what you do consistently burns neuropathways, new neuropathways. There's another idea as well, which is called um, the our neuro association. So we associate certain things, and we're wired in a certain way. Our brain is wired from a primordial state in a particular way, and we're designed to protect ourselves. So if we perceive anything as fearful, then we're going to go into a defense mechanism. We're going to go down either to fight, flight, or freeze. And what I've had to learn over the years is I have to recognize where is that learnt behavior coming from is that threat silly merely something that i've learned from my upbringing because i inherit my father and my mother's world as a child so i chose to break that cycle to become self-aware to become conscious of how i'm thinking how i'm responding and becoming self-aware to hey why is that emotion why is that emotion coming up why is that conversation or why is that event triggering me that's they're all awesome points, and I guess to to continue on that, as a business leader, business owner, entrepreneur, whatever it may be, how how can I go about the practice of renewing my mind when my circumstances are swirling? You know, I'm, I don't know when the next invoice is coming in. I'm under the pump in this hour. What does it actually look like to renew your mind in that moment? Well, I believe in first things first, and this is a biblical principle. And the biblical principle is seek first the kingdom. Right? Seek first certain things. And what you seek first is the grounding and the creative endeavor that you create in an adverse environment. So you'll always have the demand of pressure on you. How you manage and cope with that pressure, how you create disciplines within that pressure is fundamental. So I, I, I start my day by not rehearsing my worries or not rehearsing my Facebook not rehearsing um, those things that I have to deal with in a day. First of all, I find my place for me as a believer in the Lord. So I will go to bed thanking God for the day. No matter what it looked like, I thank him for the day. Now, the scripture says that his mercies are fresh every morning. That means I have a creative uh, ability every morning to envision myself in adversity for the day ahead. And I start to dream with God, believe it or not. I just start to thank him. I start to believe his promises towards me. I start to believe the finished work of Jesus towards me. And I start to realize that he has put me here. I've got a book of destiny that he wants to, to fill. And every day is the outworking. So that every day, that creative moment, that, and I take my time. I take my time. That means if you've got to get up earlier because you've got to be at a meeting, then you, you start earlier. But you've got to put first things first and get that discipline in place. And then during the day, I have time out. 
I don't want to be swallowed in the momentum of a different kind of day that is placing a demand on me. I've got to be able to find my vision in the adversity throughout the day. So, again, it's just being self-aware and being and, and not allowing yourself to get overwhelmed and creating new disciplined habits. Yeah, it's so good. And we've heard what you're hearing from from people. What about the Holy Spirit? What what's the Holy Spirit been revealing to you in this hour, particularly for for the economy and and business, but but generally where the world's at right now? I mean, it's a massive question, of course, and and. Um I can only speak for what I'm sensing for myself. I'm not saying this dogmatically, God says. Yeah. But it, for, for, for quite a while now, um, I have sensed the Holy Spirit saying we're operating under an inferior system. We're operating under a system of mammon, and we're not operating in the system of God's promises, especially if you're a believer. And we've been building a Babylonian system and trading in and out of a Babylonian system. And what I teach a lot about is trading floors. In other words, the trading, there's a spiritual reality to everything we see in history. And the Bible has a biblical worldview that the ancients understood that the spiritual world is connected to the natural world. The things that go on amongst authorities and powers in the heavens affect kings, their hearts, and what happens on the earth. And that is really hard for a lot of people to understand in a postmodern world. But the Lord's been really speaking to me. The Holy Spirit's been really identifying this through the scriptures for some time now, also through some Old Testament scholars that they've really plugged into a, uh, a Near Eastern ancient worldview. And people say, well, <laughs> we're not stuck back then, but you've got to think about it this way. The modern pattern of thinking, certainly modernism and postmodernism, is a recent invention. Empiricalism only comes from enlightenment. Before then, nobody thought in that way. They thought in a pre-modern worldview. Postmodernism, as an intellectual idea, is deconstructionist. It cannot build anything. It's designed to destroy the pillars and platforms of modernism. In other words, the things, the, the, the rational thought, empiricalism, science, all of those things got, got changed. And at the same time that postmodernism was emerging, so also was quantum physics. And so we had this perfect storm, but quantum physics restores us, in my belief, back to a Near Eastern ancient world view where we start to see that everything is not material, everything is not geographical. There's a enlarged spiritual dimension operating within the natural realm, which opens up the scriptures in a whole new way and allows us to hear the heart of God in a whole new way. And so the Holy Spirit's been saying, it's not like I don't see, it's not like God doesn't see what's going on. He sees it all. He knows the beginning from the end. And, and he has written books of destiny, scrolls concerning not only individuals, but families, cities, and nations. And he knows destinies. He knows the plans of the enemy and how the enemy comes to, to maintain his system. And the Lord has been speaking to me through a, a real phenomena that goes on, which is called the Stockholm Syndrome. And, and many of, of your listeners might know about that. But it's a phenomena where the, the cap, those who were taken captive and, and seized as by, the, by people that were robbing, uh, I think, a particular store or well, I can't remember the actual mm. detail. But the phenomena is that your captor takes you hostage and you become so used to the captor and you actually build an affinity and a relationship 
with that which you're in captivity with. And when, when uh, you know, the, the, the police come in to, to rescue you, you've built such an affinity with what you now know, although you know it's hostage, you're not seeing it that way. So it is in the world, mm. spiritually. We've been so used to the order and, and, and the spirit of mammon um, and Babylon trading over our world systems and fallen economic systems. We've forgotten how to trade into the region of faith by the promises of God to extricate ourselves out of that lesser system into the higher reality of what God does in his kingdom realm. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the opportunities right now that gets me excited. Absolutely. Because um, many of us in business, as you say, we, we experience Stockholm Syndrome. We, we become reliant on the world system. We're actually being forced to break away from it, whether we like it or not, yeah. in this hour. So given that, we're, we're tearing away, whether we like it or not, from this former system. How do we actually come in to operate, as you're saying, at this, at this higher level on a, on a spirit-based level? Well, if, you, if you're going to operate at a spirit-based level, you first of all got to understand that the spiritual realm exists mm-hmm. and is real. The second thing is, not only is it real, it's a greater, higher realm. In other words, the spiritual realm affects the natural realm. That's a biblical worldview. That is that's all through scripture. So that's nothing new. It's just we never read the scriptures that way. And so once you understand that, then you've got to understand what are the what are the trading flaws? What are the promises of God mean? Do they operate from a higher realm? Well, of course they do, because they're established in Jesus Christ, not my best effort. And so Paul the Apostle writes to the church at, at Corinth and he says, Now every promise has been established in Christ Jesus. And so we see the foreshadowing of that in Abraham, where he wants to know the certainty of how he will possess a land. Mm. And God takes him in through a blood trench, which is a Mesopotamian commercial practice. Now, many people don't know that. They think it's a religious practice. But God wasn't using new language to Abram. His background in Haran and Mesopotamia and in that region, and by the way, Mesopotamia was the first place where money was created, he was used to the Ur of Chaldea, the Chaldea system, and so he was using then-practiced commercial realities to explain how the promises worked. And he said, I will be your substitute in the reality of establishing the promise, and therefore you can take it to the bank that when Jesus goes to the cross and establishes the promises of God, they are already established. And Paul says that. So they're already yes. A bit like Bank SA. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're already yes. To which now we bring the amen. So let it be established as it already is in heaven. So you've, you've got to know that that unseen realm is more powerful, more shaping of the seen realm than we've ever been taught. You see, we've been programmed to live by the seen reality and we've never been taught. The ancients were taught about spiritualities, but not postmodern and modern societies. And that's awesome. I mean, that's a, what you're talking about is really the whole purpose of this podcast, which is how do we actually get on the attack, on the front foot, and um, operate from a kingdom level, not a world-based level at this yeah. time, which is awesome. The other thing that, um, that I know that you've been talking a lot about uh, in this hour is turning adversity into opportunity and you know it's a great thing to say but as a business owner how do how do they actually 
shift from a mindset perspective or um, even just a, a positioning perspective to then move from adversity and actually seeing what opportunity exists? Yeah. To see opportunity in adversity, you have to lift the veil of fear. So you have to disconnect from your association of adversity as being fearful. And you have to rethink that through, as I said before, intentionally and consciously, and then start to remove the fear uh, barrier or the fear veil or the interpretation of context through fear. See, we, we are naturally inclined to see things through fear, loss, and lack. That is, that is the spiritual atmosphere of every world culture. But the world culture of, of the kingdom of heaven is faith, love and faith. And so what we do is we reposition ourselves, first of all, in love and faith. Love of who? Love of the Father. And again, this shifts our paradigm of how we see ourselves when we see ourselves as image bearers of God, as a believer. And again, it's probably too big for this podcast. But once you start coming to those realities, you reposition yourself in the adversity. I'll give you uh, some practical examples because... I can understand the scriptures, but I've had to go through a journey of experience to understand the depth of the scriptures. See, we can understand the scriptures from a conceptual point of view, but we don't come into it in real terms, in a real faith depth, until God walks us through the reality of what he's speaking about. Mm. So I'll give you an example. We, we had a time when I took over the church, and uh, we had a big leadership team, we had a big staff, and we didn't have enough cash flow. Now, I've been in business, and I understand the essential nature of cash flow. And so the, the business way you would deal with cash flow is you either cut costs or you increase productivity, or both. But moving into a paradigm of faith doesn't look like any of those things. I mean, you've got to be a good steward. Let's make it real. But it's not about cutting and building. It's about trusting. So we, we got to a stage one day where we hadn't paid wages for quite a quite a while and and i was taking the first hit because i believe that was my responsibility and and a lot of business owners would say well we get that you pay the staff first and you you carry it you know at the end of the day you you wear that and i thought it was just being a good father too i think that's what dads do yeah good business owners are like good fathers and so what i what i did i said okay guys we're just going to go and pray now we went and prayed and because I'd extended my faith, I knew there was a, a promise of God's provision. It's clearly set out in Scripture, but now the rubber was hitting the road where we are in need. And so we, we prayed together. As I prayed, I went into a vision. And in that vision, I saw, and a vision for those who don't understand, is simply like uh, somebody playing in, in, in front of me a, a hologram of like a movie. Right? It's like a hologram yeah. that sits in the spirit in front of you. Sometimes have people have internal vision, but this was an external vision. And I saw money being poured into my hands. And the moment that I saw the money pour, being poured in my hands, I knew it had already been established in heaven. It was a question of it being now released on earth. And this is what I've, I've learned over the years. This is the key for me. If you don't build it in the unseen realm first... It will not manifest in the natural realm. So you take your petition and your request before the Father and you get before him like Elisha did. You put your head between your knees on Mount Carmel, which is a place of intimacy, and you get before the Father and you pray and you pray. You're not begging. You're reminding him of every promise. You're not begging because I'm a son. 
He loves me and he's for me. That's the mind shift. I'm not operating out of fear, loss, and lack. I'm not operating as a spiritual orphan. I'm operating as a spiritual son who is in Christ Jesus. Who, and God has already made a covenant promise to me. So now I'm making a demand like a withdrawal from a bank, but I've got to see the money in the bank before it withdraws. Hmm. As I saw the money, I said, we're done. That's it. And the guy said, well, we haven't prayed long enough. We, you know, we, haven't, we haven't pulled down the heavens and contended. I said, we don't need to contend. God's already shown me in a vision, in a present now word, it's already done. So I believe that with all my heart. And that's what Jesus said. That's how we're to pray. So I went back to the accountant. Uh, who I'd spoken to just five minutes before, and I said, look, can you just check the account? He says, Paul, I just told you this. We can't pay wages. Look, we, we're just in the dwang here. I said, no, check again. He goes, I don't know what just happened, but there's just been a transfer. I said, good, pay all the wages. And it was no small amount of money. So wow. I, I, that was my confidence going forward. And every time we got into a situation of lack, I sowed into the promise. One, by faith, believing, but two, I became generous. We sowed. We followed the biblical pattern of sowing so that we can increase the harvest. That's so powerful. I hope our listeners caught that because I think, as you mentioned, we in the dwang, as you say, (laughs) we're um, under the pump and we start praying out of fear and, oh, Mm. please, 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 beg, beg, beg. But no, what you've walked through is a way to actually – operate on the front foot and um and actually really partner with god on something as well instead of instead of begging you're acting you're you're acting like a son in your true identity yeah and that that's really really important because when you know the the father really loves you and he's for you and psalm 139 he's gone ahead of you into the future to make a way for you to succeed see a lot of believers don't understand that psalm 139 is clear he's already gone ahead of you to make a way for you to be established in what he's established in Jesus Christ. One thing that you've been, another thing you've been talking about um, recently is, is the advancement that you get in the valley at the moment. Can you talk us through that? So, <laughs> so there's two aspects to this, and this, this really uh, centers around um, the story of Samson uh, in the book of Judges and, of course, Psalm 23. And uh, a lot of people read Psalm 23 at funerals, but it's not, it's not a funeral verse at all. It's actually how God leads us through paths. And if you've got to remember that he, Psalm 139, he's gone ahead of us, then he's already made a path. And sometimes our paths lead us through adversity. Literally, the valley of the shadow of death is in the midst of your enemies. It, it, it's in a dark place. It's in the place of where everything's going wrong, or so it seems. But it's actually the place of your promotion. Because Psalm 23 says that God leads you there. Now, people don't understand that because we have this idea that God is good and God is love and everything's peace and prosperity. Yeah, but you've got to understand the mechanisms for how things move and grow and how you grow because it's not just about your increase of prosperity in your material sense. It's the increase of you in your character. It's the increase of you in your spirituality, your spiritual formation, and the increase of you in authority for the next event. And and so this truth came home to me when um, my mother-in-law uh, passed away and we uh, had lost... Uh, my wife's dad and mum in a very short succession of time. And it was a very overwhelming season for us. And you can imagine we we were suffering great loss. My wife was suffering great loss. Um, um, 
Tracy's mum was, was a powerful woman in our church. She, she'd prayed me in uh, all those years ago. And, and so it was a, was a really massive moment for us to lose two parents so, so quickly. And uh, that was off the back of a really, uh, you know, testing season uh, of a whole lot of things. And we, 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 Tracy came home one afternoon before the celebration service that night and there were bees in our house and I often tell this story. So Tracy and I got together and, and so Tracy first of all took the ninja approach and got the mortine out and dealt with the, the bees downstairs. She'd had enough. And then we went together upstairs because now uh, in our bedroom, in the double uh, brick wall, how they got in there, we've never, we've never known. They've never been there since. Uh, an unusual phenomena to say the least there were bees buzzing in the wall right by our bed now I knew the prophetic symbolism of that but I didn't understand the prophetic symbolism of that there's one thing to know and then understand so I did what Tracy and I did what we you know what you do you take authority in the name of Jesus and you rebuke those bees right <laughs> so anyway I come down <laughs> just for the listener that is immaturity 101 <laughs> that's not what you do but anyway so I go back into the study and the Saturday morning, we've done the, the funeral service that night, and um, I said, Lord, what was all that about? And he took me to Judges. And the story of Judges is really simple. Samson was t- going to find his future wife, and he went along a road. He found a lion. He had to wrestle with the lion, killed the lion, and set it aside. Didn't think anything about it, came back. Then the second time he went with his family this time to, to meet the wife, they were in need of provision. And he went off the path to find the honey in the carcass. And the Lord said, I was sending you by bees a promise that, that there would be honey in the carcass. And it reestablished me in Psalm 23 with a new lens. You see, on one part of our journey in life, we're going to have to overcome something that stands in the way to our future. And we might not see the necessary immediate increase. But what you overcome in one season becomes your provision for the next season. And that's what God was saying. And then he took me again to Psalm 23. He said, what I give you in the valley, you can never get on the mountaintop. What you get in adversity, you can never get from me any other time. I set a table for you. I give you a provision that's only available as you overcome in me. There's a provision that's available, an anointing, an enabling power that's enable, And I will actually hide you in me in the mess that you will come out of it the other side with increase. It's so good. And I just think of, um, you know, everyone in business facing various challenges right now. And I just encourage you guys to just um, get with the Holy Spirit and think about, well, where... What are you being actually set up for? Yeah. While you, it feels hard now, what are we being set up for? And that's what's really exciting for me. Yeah. A lot of people see adversity as a problem. God sees it as promotion. Hmm. God sees it as increase. And so if you can get your head out of what you're used to thinking about a context and into God's mind, into how he sees the context, you'll position yourself in him in a new way to see what's available. So what does leadership look like in a time of crisis? I think it looks like faith, courage. I, I think it looks like disciplines. Um, I, I really do believe when we get into moments like this, this is where leaders do emerge. And, 
and and leaders are not insensitive they're like fathers but they're also like generals um do you know what i'm saying mm, you never lose yeah. your compassionate heart but you you are willing to make the disciplined visionary decisions in a context that instills confidence in those that are uncertain to give hope where there is fear to see the possibility to envision people and that's why these time leadership there needs to be re- you need to be, you need to have a resolve and the conviction of your vision like never before mm. if you're shaking everyone else around you will shake but if you are on solid ground if you are dug in not in arrogance but with malleable flexibility but sure of you will get through this season, that your confidence is not just in yourself. And for a believer, this, this is the advantage of being a believer. My, my confidence is in Christ. And so Jesus said, if I build on a rock, when the storms come, not if the storms come, when the storms come, I'm on a sure foundation. Mm. Now, my job is to reveal that to people that may not have built on the rock, may not have, they may not have built on the sand. And that's what Jesus mm. says. And so, so I've, I've got to know what God says about me. I have to know what God says about others. I have to have to know that, that, that there is a bigger outworking um, plan in the turmoil and in the adversity, but we get through this. Hmm. And so I've got to have a vision of courage and hope, and I've got to be able to do the sacrificial things to build trust around those who are fearful because when you're fearful, you misinterpret words through a lens of fear, not hope. And so our communication when you're a leader in these times has to be really, really clear and encouraging. Mm. It, you, you have to build confidence because you know some people may be faint of heart uh, and they may be struggling. That's the first quality I see. And the second quality is you've got to hold to the values of your culture that you're building. Mm. The, so the values are not the way you do things. You're going to have to adapt. But the values are the heartbeat of who you are no matter what. And I think it's good to reinforce that cultural dynamic uh, in, a, in a careful way, in a compassionate way, to remind people that, hey, we're better than this. We're better than that. We're stronger than this. And it's a fam- famous phrase I like to use, we're better together because we really are. So what fear does in these environments is to try to bring separation, bring division. But where good communication, good consideration, good compassion works towards building team then you're able to serve your team in a way that meets their needs but brings them into a future together Mm, absolutely now paul i want to finish off um uh, to allow you to equip our listeners with a few weapons here and there um (laughs) i want you to start off what's what's a daily habit that you'd recommend our listeners to be able to help them get on the front foot every day the first habit you've got a break is going to your emails or your uh, smartphone or your Facebook or those things. Don't go near it. And I, I've, I follow Simon Sinek's advice on that. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. There's Joe Dispenza that talks about that as well. Uh, and of course, scriptures talk about that mm. as well. So the first thing you do every day is I position myself in the promises of God. I position myself in my true identity with him and I give him thanks and I and I allow myself to co-create with him. I want to hear him for what this day can look like or the potential. I want to tap into potential. I don't want to rehearse my history. I want to develop my future. And it's setting that time aside to do yep. that every day. And it's got to be a discipline every day. Yep. 
What's a, a key verse uh, to draw inspiration from right now? Psalm 91, for me, that's a life verse. Um, Psalm 91, you know, he who dwells, habitually dwells, not occasionally visits on a Sunday. He who habitually dwells every moment of every day in the shadow of the Almighty. That there is, there is a strength that we gain by bringing myself to that reality that I'm not alone even if I am isolated socially. Mm. Even though I am physically alone, I'm not alone. And I know that I'm with the Father, and this might, might be a stretch for some of your listeners, but I know where, wherever the Spirit is, the angelic realm is, mm. the government of heaven is. Wherever the government of heaven is and I'm in Christ, provision is. All, everything I need is in that dwelling place. I don't have to look externally. I have to look internally. And as I draw on that, as I draw my strength from that, Psalm 91 becomes a great encouragement and it'll keep me in a place that's empowered while everything else is shaking. So good. Uh, is there a worship song that you, oh, you, I, I, you're digging through your phone right yeah. now to find it? <laughs> the King is Amongst Us. I think that's uh, Elevation Worship. I, I think The King is Amongst Us. It's about we want the power of God. Yeah. And, and I think this is an hour where we need the power of God. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to ask you this question with trepidation because I know how much you read, but a, uh, <laughs> a book that you'd recommend to empower listeners? Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership uh, by two Navy SEAL um, guys. Extreme Ownership is a wonderful book. It's not the only book that you can read. That, that's one of them. But it gives you a sense of how teams work in adversity when you're all under strain. And I think it's a key book for now. See, about being a SEAL was not about being the strongest, not being about the best. It was able how you could lead a team in adversity and how you could make the weakest member a strong member operating as a team. And I think that would be a key book for this hour. Absolutely. Now, to finish off, I'm wondering if you'd impart a prayer to, to our listeners yeah, absolutely. before we wind up. Yep. Thanks, Andrew. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. I, I just pray that these words you'll anoint and that they will become spirit and life into people's hearts. That, Father, these words will cut through into the deepest obstacles, that it will just radically reshape their thinking and empower them into the potential that you've created for everyone. Lord, I just pray that you will just unlock the books of destiny that you've written over every listener. That, Father, I just pray that they will see that you are so for them in this hour, that you you're an amazing father and and there's only one truth in this shaking world and that is the truth and the power of jesus christ and the power of your word into our lives so lord i just pray for a grace impartation i pray for the government of your peace to come upon them i pray for a an alignment into your purposes your promises and to the life that is abundant and overflowing even into the darkness and i pray for every kingdom business person that you will prosper that there will be just a new grace, a fresh anointing on you for creative uh, wealth activities, that you will see opportunities like you've never seen before, that the spirit of fear will just break off you, and that there will be a grace upon you to build your teams, to build into growth and new things in this season in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So good. How can you not be empowered after that? for listening to the podcast make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode 
and I'm keen to connect with you, hear how you're doing, and also send you some free resources. Make sure you sign up at supernaturalbusinesspodcast.com and you'll hear from me soon.